For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the WRAL Daily Download. I'm Jack Hagel. The COVID-19 pandemic hit North Carolina students hard. School closures and learn-from-home disruptions set students back months, and educators have been trying to catch up ever since. A new study indicates that the state has made considerable progress in the war against learning loss. The big question now, will it continue now that federal funds are drying up? WRAL Education Insider Emily Walkenhorst is here to break it all down. Emily, good to see you again. Great to be here. First, take us back to the pandemic and the years since the lockdowns. How were North Carolina students performing? So basically, we have this concept of learning loss, right? So schools closed in 2020 out of fear of the virus spreading, and they stayed mostly closed for most grades through the spring of 2021. That is when students started to come back about part-time at the middle and high school levels. Elementary came back a little bit earlier than that, but bottom line is they were out months. And so there's this idea that students didn't learn as fast you know, you're not picking up on as much information. You're not quite as engaged when you're learning remotely. And some students were even learning through like paper packets, like in more rural areas, they had like a school nurse would make these rounds every so often, and they just deliver all these papers to students. And then the students would try to figure out, you know, a new math lesson through paper packets. They didn't even have a teacher virtually to help them. So the idea was it just wasn't as effective learning as you know the in-person in the school. So we got this term learning loss because test scores went down. Students just weren't, um, not as many students were as proficient through this method. Um, people were falling behind. And so we know that students fell, you know, what you might consider several months behind where they normally would be. And then this new study comes out with some good news for North Carolina school parents. What, what did it say? So in North Carolina, they've made quite a bit of that learning back. So if you think of it in terms of months of learning, let's say, you know, they lost um, a, seven months of learning in, I believe it was math and uh, about five months of learning and reading, and they gained about 40% of that back. So they gained a few months back. So there's still a few months behind in, uh, in those subjects in North Carolina. Nationally, they didn't fall quite as far behind to begin with, but they also didn't make up as much time as North Carolina ended up doing. So you see some level of success in North Carolina. One thing you have to remember is these are just averages. So across the state, we saw students gain a few months learning back. So basically in a full school year ending in 2023, they learned more than a full school year's worth of learning. So they, instead of 10 months of learning, maybe they gained 12 months of learning. Um, and they really learned a lot faster than they ever had before. But again, you have to remember, these are just averages. So, you know, some students might have really excelled um, you know, higher income students made bigger gains than lower income students uh, in some places, that kind of a thing. So there are still some gaps for some students. What was the most surprising thing within the numbers? 
So there were some surprises when you drill down to individual school systems. There were some that just did way better than others, and there were some that did way worse than others. So um, a few different school districts, you know, including some more rural school, school districts, Person, Vance, but even in Chapel Hill, Carborough, you know, they they didn't make up hardly anything that they lost in, in math in Chapel Hill, Carborough, especially. And uh, so there were some places where they they just didn't uh, make the gains that you saw across the rest of the state. And then there were places where they did make bigger gains. Uh, Wake County and Durham seemed to really kind of erase some of the learning loss. Johnston County um, actually seemed to do better when schools were close and their scores actually went up. Um, they had gone down a little bit before the pandemic, but then they, they went up and then kept going up. And so you do see a lot of variances across the state. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear about how school districts have managed the turnaround and what happens to the progress when federal pandemic funding runs out. Stick around. Welcome back to the WRL Daily Download. We're talking with WRL Education Insider Emily Walkenhorst about learning loss recovery in North Carolina. Emily, I'm trying to visualize learning loss. This is like every kid missing months of school and then trying to catch up, but while also staying on top of the current lesson, right? Yeah, so uh, basically it's this idea of let's have kids learn faster than they've ever learned before. We're going to speed through these lessons. A little bit might be going over things students didn't quite master in the previous year, and then just kind of starting the school year with that, and then just seeing how fast you can get through lessons. So it's, it's pretty personnel intensive um, when you think about it because you have to make sure that you're really staying on top of where each student is and making sure that they're ready for this next lesson. So it's a big undertaking. But how did schools manage it? I mean, what were some of the more successful strategies? So we know that schools have done a lot of tutoring. We also know that tutoring hasn't actually reached most students. So there's a lot of evidence to, to suggest that intensive tutoring works, but a lot of that has been, you know, focused on only reading or maybe both reading and math, but only for first graders or second graders or, you know, really young students. But we really saw um, all this data really encompasses third grade through eighth grade. That's a lot of grades. A lot of those, most of those kids did not receive tutoring. So we're also looking at intervention teachers. Um, and, you know, so those might be they created a new teaching position. A lot of people who might have been existing teachers might have shifted over into those teachers. And basically, they just worked with smaller groups of students. It's very similar to tutoring, but basically they just, you know, pulled students out and they made sure that these kids were staying on top of their lessons. You also saw instructional coaches in some places. So basically, they might have led a team of educators, gave teachers feedback on, you know, hey, this is how you can improve this lesson. Um, here's a curriculum that I've read about that seems to really work. I think we should try this. You know, just going through um, different approaches to teaching and learning and, you know, just kind of this acceleration of, you know, kind of things that I think a lot of educators have always wanted to do, but they never really had the resources for. Now, in some of the districts where they did have success, uh, what did they do? 
So in Wake County, for example, where they basically made up for a lot of the learning lost on average, um, you know, they hired, I believe, over 300 intervention teachers. Uh, it's a lot of teachers. Um, we know that in Durham, they had plans to hire more than 200 different people. We don't exactly know um, it's how many people specifically they ended up being able to hire, but they were looking at intervention teachers, instructional coaches, um, one for every school, and really trying to add personnel. And we know that other school districts also added personnel. Um, tutoring has been a big part, but again, most of these schools did not, uh, or most of these students do not receive tutoring. Now, as you report, the rebound would be virtually impossible without federal funding. That funding is going away this year. What does that mean for these programs? So a lot of these schools are going to try to find ways to keep them. We know in Wake County, they've already pitched to county commissioners, to the school board, hey, we have all these substitute teachers and behavior um, professionals, counselors, psychologists that we want to keep. And that's actually, you know, a small number of people compared to the intervention teachers. They haven't even come up with a plan yet for keeping intervention teachers, but that is something they say they want to do. It's just a much bigger lift than some of the people they've already asked to be able to keep so they're looking at these things, um, but they're going to have to find the money some way. And there's not going to be, you know, additional federal funding coming in. There's no state funding set to come in to cover any of these things. Counties could choose to appropriate more funds where they can afford it. We know counties also have a lot of other needs, especially with school facilities. So we don't necessarily know the appetite of county commissioners across the state to fund more of these things. So one thing that schools may end up doing is kind of looking at what their current programming is and just cutting stuff that they think they can get rid of. And they're going to have to look mostly through federal funding. So this might be more funding geared more toward special programs or lower income students and thinking, okay, well, we use this money to fund X, Y, and Z, but we think our dollar can go further with teachers. So you may see schools cutting a bunch of programs. You may see schools cutting uh, teachers. We know that uh, news outlets had reported in Charlotte that Charlotte Mecklenburg schools is actually just they're going to look to cut a lot of the people they've hired um, using pandemic funds because they've just hired so many people, they can't replace them. And what happens to the students? How will they continue to recover from learning loss if these programs go away? So the data we have that's showed a lot of the success is only through spring of 2023. So a lot of the things that they were doing last school year, they're still doing this year. So we still have an opportunity to see a lot of that progress continue to bear out in test scores this spring. So we may see a lot more progress in schools and may have a more positive feeling about what we've been able to do so far. Um, but then another thing with this money is, you know, all of this money has to be either spent or promised in a contract with an outside agency by September 30th of this year, of 2024. And so school systems, basically, they, they won't have any of this money left uh, after September 30th unless they promise it in a contract. That could be a strategy that school systems pursue is maybe thinking, okay, well, how do we change this program that we currently have into a contract instead? That may be something they look at. Well, we know you'll be watching. Emily, thanks for joining us as always. Glad to be here. 
That's WRAL Education Insider Emily Walkenhorst for her in-depth look at learning loss recovery in North Carolina. Go to the education section of WRAL.com. I'm Jack Hagel. Thanks for joining us and thanks for listening to the WRAL Daily Download and for making us part of your morning routine. Another great way to get WRAL news is the Morning Briefing Newsletter. It's a daily email with triangle news, events, and headlines to help you get ready for the day. Sign up at WRAL.com newsletter. 